if I sang like Will I am would I get through the voice Would you marry Shag or kill yourself given the choice Usually, listeners, we like to start the show with some of your feedback about some of the things we've talked about. Don't reveal the process, Helen. Keep it a mystery. Usually, listeners, we like to start the show by sawing somebody in half. (laughs) No, you can't say it. It's the only way I can talk these days. The only thing that stimulates me into action. (laughs) Show me the woman's innards and then put her back together. (laughs) Then I'll do the podcast. All I meant to say was, I have some feedback. Oh, right. Myself. Oh, good. Well done. About something we talked about last week. Joe from Seattle's question about whether it's ever okay to share an ice cream cone. Right. And this is a little tangential, but I thought it's never acceptable to feed somebody fruit in company. Because I went for brunch at my friend Julie's house. She lives with her brother. Her brother came in from jogging with his girlfriend, you know, all sweaty, wearing jogging gear. Mm-hmm. Started feeding his girlfriend fruit. Didn't do full on, like, here comes the plane. It wasn't It wasn't cutesy. It was more like, if we went into my room, I could stick my dick in your mouth rather than this bit of mango. Right, okay. Yeah. So, it actually, you felt disrespected in a way. They weren't acknowledging your presence. I just thought, for God's sake, they've only been together for about six weeks, and I know people are unbearable in new couples. Mm. But public boundaries, right? But you're right. I should make an exception for babies and people who are incapacitated or the elderly. And, I mean, even phallically shaped comedy in the right hands. I mean, Mike Myers is allowed to do that joke. It's just (laughs) maybe your friend Julie's brother just isn't up to it, doesn't have the comic chops. When Martin is driving, sometimes I have to uh, administer the snacks because he needs his hands to drive. But even then, I sort of throw them in from a short distance away. (laughs) (laughs) It's because you find the idea of physical contact with me repulsive. Well, uh, the other thing we sometimes like to start episodes with... Is good news! Is good news, exciting news. Uh, And this news is so exciting, listeners, that I've been screaming constantly for a week, which is why my voice is slightly strained. (laughs) The real reason my voice is like this, listeners, is because I've been on a four-day stag-do bender. Uh, and uh, this is what happens to my body when that happens. So how much Stephen Sondheim did you listen to? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the exciting news, yes, that, uh, is that uh, Answer Me This is now on SoundCloud. Yay. If you like listening to things via SoundCloud rather than iTunes or some other podcatcher, uh, then now you can. Go to soundcloud.com slash answer me this. So delightfully orange, isn't it, SoundCloud? I'm on SoundCloud. All right. I've got three accounts. They're all brilliant. You should follow that too. The thing I like about SoundCloud is you can have uh, the comments... Oh, yeah. on every second of the file and the reason why i like this is because uh recently the uh, controversial beyonce and andre 3000 cover of i think it's back to black of the winehouse mm. catalog has uh, come out and uh, i was listening to it and just every second on the bar underneath the comment would come out going this is fucking awful <laughs> this is shit this is shit God, i can't believe anyone allowed this web 2.0 ladies and gentlemen <laughs> well that's the good news here's the sad news from rob from harrow who says I heard on the radio that JLS has split up. Ollie, answer me this. Mm. Why did it take so long? Do you know, I actually think um, they've called this very well. Yeah, five years is a long time in boy band. I think they've left at the height of their powers. Well, not quite the height. I suppose the peak was 2009. Yeah, because I can't remember any of their singles since She Make Me Wanna, which was summer 2011. I think we've mentioned this before because it's like London to Ibiza or something. LA to Africa. And you're like, Africa's not a city. That's a continent. Berkhamstead to Watford. (laughs) (laughs) One of the songs I was listening to on this stag do... I say, <laughs> I say songs, party anthems, was that one by Pitbull. Uh, I know. Does he have to wear a muzzle? <laughs> the one they were, he, he bloody should. <laughs> the, one they, <laughs> the one they were playing is the one called International Love. 
I've not acquainted nice. It goes like Miami, LA, so international. And you're like, they're not international. Those are just cities in the States. They're in different time zones. He's not saying longitude, yes. Maybe, uh, <laughs> Leipzig, not... that's international. You know, Uttar Pradesh, that yeah. would be international. Maybe the original is so international and, and international. Some, some, some proofreader like spell checked it in there. Why are we talking about Pitbull? Because that song, International oh, Love, sorry, like the JLS it, song. It, it inspired you. Yeah. And now that JLS are no more, who's going to inspire you to think about Pitbull? To think about bad <laughs> lyrics in pop songs. JLS, how could you do this? I actually thought they were ageing quite gracefully as well. Yeah. Uh, apart from Aston, who I think is Benjamin Button, basically. I think he's, he's, <laughs> Maybe that's the reason they stopped, is that in, in he, five years' time, he'll be seven. Yeah, he'll have to go to school again. <laughs> Considering that they started being all backflips and genuinely boys... You can't keep that up, can you, way into adulthood? You can't, but I think, they've, I think they are a man band now, and they've dealt with that quite well. So I was, I, I was actually quite surprised that they've called it a day, but apparently the reason was... Um, According to which sources? This is the exclusive article in The Sun, which revealed it exclusively in The Sun, Britain's favourite paper. Uh, It said that the reason was they'd have to sign another three to five album deal because their five album deal had come to an end. Oh, I thought it might be like a contract was up or something, Mm. seeing as it's nearly five years. And I don't think it was that they didn't want to do another album. I think apparently they sort of looked around the room and said, guys, are we still going to be wanting to do this when we're 33? Do we still have art to give? And they sensibly said no. Well, good for them. And also, they're worth six million each, making them the 19th uh, most rich UK reality stars. That's a great fact. Two two places below Paul Potts. I want, who's I number one? People are. Cowell, of course. Oh, Simon okay. Cowell. Does he count as a reality star? Or even UK anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, they've got all of the girls allowed in there. The thing I found remarkable about this uh, rich list of UK reality stars is that at number 20, one place below JLS, was a man called Paul Teresi. Never heard of him. I hadn't either. But he came forth. Well, let me guess. Oh. Came forth. In. Pop star to opera star. World's worst person. <laughs> was I close in that it was... No, no. Not, not that genre. Not model turned actor, not oh, project okay. catwalk. I bet someone who's in like driving school or airport and managed to spin off, get a book deal or something would do really well. I'm going to cut to the chase. It came forth in the first series of The Apprentice and he is the 20th richest reality star. Good God. Above Badger. Yeah, but uh. the first series of The Apprentice, they actually employed people who knew something about business, didn't they? Mm. So it's not necessarily a surprise that statistically out of that group of people, reality TV stars, they'll be the ones with the most business acumen. Even though yeah. the series then became a show where you laugh at people for having no business acumen. I think, though, um, the recent Big Reunion series also may indicate that uh, perhaps they just wanted out. JLS give a good front that they're having a nice time and they don't argue and stuff. But the Big Reunion suggested that bands that looked like they're having a great time mm. back then were not. They were having a horrible time. They were on drugs. They were miserable. They were angry. They were psychologically disturbed. Mm. Makes me wonder whether One Direction are having all that kind of puppyish fun they appear to be. It makes me wonder. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I, I was looking as well, in the again, in the Sun article, not to suggest I've only had a single source on this pressing matter. Uh, well, it, it is the exclusive. It is. It's why, the world exclusive. Why go to anything less? Um, they said at the end what they're all going on to do. Teacher training, <laughs> uh, property development, gym ownership. So you're, not, um, you're not far off. Denim. Uh, so I, I think it got increasingly tragic as it went through the list. Is the one that is like a spokesperson for multiple sclerosis going to do more of that? It didn't mention that, but yes, I think I think he will. Ritze. Yeah. Yeah, I think he will. One of them will do songwriting. Well, here's what it says. For Pitbull. And, and see, see, <laughs> see if you agree with me that this gets increasingly tragic as it goes along. Marvin is a DJ on Capital FM and has become a reporter for Daybreak. And also, he's about to have a child with uh, Rochelle from the Saturdays, and I'm sure they can farm out photo shoots that they get paid a lot of money for. Uh, Aritze has his own management company looking after the next generation of pop stars. That's the Simon Webb approach. Yep. Then, like I say, increasingly tragic. 
Aston has just finished Sky's hit show Got to Dance. He's got to go back to school though. And JB has bought a deer farm in Scotland. <laughs> that's just unbelievable. That's the best Brilliant. one. That's, that's like Rupert Grint buying an ice cream van and not doing any acting anymore. That's like Alex James making cheese. Do you think he's going to dress as a proper deer farmer as well? I hope so, like um, abs out of five. Yeah, but he's such an unconvincing farmer because oh, he's so got that brilliant. ridiculous kind of fake Jamaican Amazing. accent and all those neck tattoos. <laughs> it's not It's not very Lincolnshire. It's not. Hi, Helen, Ollie. It's Susanna and Tanya. We're in Bermondsey. We've had quite a lot of wine and we're talking about Michelle Obama's hair. We were just wondering, why do Americans call a fringe bangs? Here's an interesting, although unfunny link with the previous question. Uh, Michelle Obama's father also had multiple sclerosis. Oh, that's sad. So there we go. So it's we've a... gone from her dad and Aritza's mum. What are the chances of that? It's a very cruel disease, no matter which celebrity parent it strikes. Correct. Like I say, not funny, but you know. Well, it made me feel very depressed now. <laughs> pointing out, I thought. Well, anyway, uh, it's uh, an equine reason for the uh, linguistic difference. Really? Yeah. But no one compares Michelle Obama to a horse. No, well, I wouldn't dare. Well, no. she's as noble as a horse. She's a very good-looking horse, though. She's a fine filly if she's a horse. I tell you what, I feel like everybody's life would be better if they got to see Michelle Obama every day. Somebody likes Michelle Obama. I do. Do you know what? I feel weepy every time I see a picture of the Obamas (laughs) looking at each other lovingly. (laughs) But anyway, uh, the reason why they're called bangs in America is uh, because it used to be short for bang tail, which was a hairstyle of horses' tails, where they would cut it across the top in a straight line, like right below the tailbone. So you could see the arsehole. I guess also, so. the horse could go to the toilet more efficiently. Probably more so likely you, the reasons. So you could perv on the horse's ass. And <laughs> you're a horse pervert. Right? It's funny. Well, I don't think of myself as someone who spends a lot of time analysing animals' asses. But, but the cat. You knew there was a butt coming. Hey, <laughs> hey. Wordplay. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> she but, makes me wanna. Wa- <laughs> um, <laughs> the other day, uh, yes, the cat uh, jumped onto my lap, and I hadn't seen her for a week. I'd been away. And I did notice that her bum looked different. I thought, that's weird, because I'm not aware that I know what my cat's bum looks like. Oh, fucking hell. And yet, what it was... Where is this story going? It's not going anywhere. She, she, oh, she, right. What it was, I think, is she just had a bit of a clean. So it just had oh. that very clean... Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's like a little slither of pink in there. I don't feel well. And I thought, well, that's interesting. She's like, I've obviously spent enough time looking at her ass, intentionally or unintentionally, that I can notice. We were talking about Michelle Obama, who is yeah. such a nice thing to think about. Then we go on to your cat's arsehole. Just a few, few short leaps to my cat's bum hole. You're never safe when you're listening to Answer Me This, are you? I've got a question. Then email your question. To answer me this podcast at googlemail.com 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 A question of relationships now from Jamie, who says I've been seeing my girlfriend for two years now and I have a history of getting her unconventional birthday presents. Not sure two birthdays is enough yet to fully establish a pattern. That's more like a callback. Some of these presents, he continues, work. And some of them are bunged in the back of my cupboard, never to be seen or used. Mm -hmm. I had a flatmate who did this once. I gave him presents. And then he'd almost always just put them in the cupboard, unused, entirely unused, in a cupboard oh. that I could see in the flat we were sharing. It's, no, Ollie, this is our museum cupboard where we put all of our best things. I, I just take mine to presents to the charity shop. Yeah, I do that. I, I had my fastest turnaround ever this year. I took something to the charity shop on 27th Boxing of day. December. Yeah. <laughs> the first year continues, Jamie. I got my girlfriend a belly dancer outfit. 
Well, that's optimistic, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) I thought this would keep us both amused for a number of years to come. It has been very cold this year. The second year, continues Jamie, I purchased, (laughs) there's a theme developing here, a body moulding kit with the intention of making a mould of her boobs. Oh. Painting the mould in vibrant colours and hanging it on the wall for our future grandchildren to marvel at. Is this a present more for you than for her again? (laughs) It remains untouched. Uh, This year, I have landed on the idea... Of a she-we. That's true, that's quite thoughtful. Oh, yeah, it's really romantic, isn't it? Classic romantic oh, present. I didn't that, it? It? Roses, chocolate, she-we. Why didn't you give me one of them instead of an engagement ring? Uh, for those of you listeners who don't know, and we have discussed this in a previous episode of Answer Me This, but you haven't all got memories that go back seven years, uh, a she-we... <laughs> it's like a funnel. Yeah. To emulate the man piss at a festival. That's right. Uh, anyway, Jamie continues. Uh, this would be very useful, the she-we, for when we go to the secret garden party or for camping in general. You can't all sleep in the shiwi. It's too small (laughs) and it will stink a piss. Uh, Plus, my girlfriend has a bad habit of peeing in public quite often. Why don't you get us some nappies? So, Helen, answer me this. Do you think this is a good idea? Obviously, I will be buying backup presents too. I think this is a backup present. I mean, this is like one of the comedy small gifts and then you give her something that is nice and that she wants and that is a bit romantic and is worth a bit of money. Yeah, you know, I think that goes actually for the tip mould and the belly dancer outfit (laughs) as well. Mm. I I think if in both those years you'd given her something more romantic and more, frankly, straightforward and then that was the quirky present, she probably would have got away with wearing it. You can't build up to the she-we. No, (laughs) you can't. (laughs) She will be disappointed. Even though we said you've only got two birthdays on your graph, that's not enough points to make her straight line i think you do have enough data to interpret that she that you're do- shit at buying presents yeah she's not <laughs> yeah. she's not a fan of your technique yeah. and maybe you should consider adjusting the technique maybe look at some of the presents she does seem to really like maybe they're from other people from, from ex-boyfriends and uh, and from those uh consider what it is she likes about them yeah and then buy something not necessarily similar to them but uh has in common the qualities that makes her like those things something that an algorithm might pick up a person yeah. people who like this also liked there should be an app for that shouldn't there there should yeah oh that's a good idea helen people who like shiwis also like belly dancer costumes <laughs> if my girlfriend would like a shiwi but i need to get her something good what should i get her app <laughs> i'll tell you what i think he should do actually in this specific specific circumstance is he should put the shiwi in a bag of general outdoorsy camping fun because if that's the okay. context he wants it to be seen you know we're going on holiday we're going to the secret garden festival we'll go together you should put other stuff in the bag you can use during the weekend away. What, drugs? Well, well that's, if that's your thing, or condoms could be a racy thing, but you also put in some wash. things that... Exactly. Put in some I things that work. actually are a bit more respectful. Why, yeah. not, why not include it in a fun lucky dip? Or past the parcel, where it's one of the uh, outer layers. Yeah. Um, All of these are good suggestions. I mean, they're better than just giving her that. What's going to be awkward is when they move house and they're going to be looking for a house that's got one of these cupboards where she can put everything that he's bought her. <laughs> uh, because regular listeners will recall that I'm shortly to move house, fingers crossed, Touchwood. Uh, when we were looking for properties, one of the things that was very important to me was that we had a Costco cupboard. Yeah. Uh, I need a cupboard to put my oversized peanut butter, 100,000 tea bags. A year of bin bags. A year of bin bags. Cat uh, litter. Yeah, t- tin tomatoes, all that stuff. Gazebo, all um, the other stuff they sell at Costco. Yeah, skis. coffee and wheelchair. Um, and so, <laughs> Side of beef. <laughs> and yeah, so therefore, I needed a cu- I actually needed, it was one of my specifications, even though Costco we, cupboard. we go to Costco to save money, ironically, probably ending up spending thousands more because I've got a house with a garden shed big enough to fit loads of loo roll in it. Yeah, but... but- but, but useful. When the rapture comes, you'll still be wiping your ass when everyone else is pissing on the ground because they've run out of shiwis. Helen, Oliver, 
Though life is full of questions, there are answers you must know. One. No, it will not fall off, but moderation in all things too. Yes, there probably is, but we won't find out in our lifetimes. Three. Most people prefer colliery, but my personal favorite is Dalton. Four. If you try and slip a one, it would ruin your friendship. Listeners, you know how much we enjoy hearing you ask your questions in your own voice when you dial this number. 02081235877 Or when you Skype answer me this. So please give us some enjoyment and deliver your questions telephonically if you wish, like this person has done. Hello, this is Jesse in Zurich. Um, answer me this. Why is the Volvo, like typically owned by a woman but it has a male emblem on the front just because you see women driving them i don't think you can necessarily extrapolate from that that they're owned by women. i think they're owned by families it's, aren't they it's like you see ollie driving his car but you don't extrapolate that it's a man's car <laughs> <laughs> my car now is relatively masculine no it isn't oh it is no it is i use the word relatively why yeah. is it not relatively masculine it looks like a toy it's got leather seats so? Beige? That's w- not a woman's colour, is it beige? Woman's colour. <laughs> it's a strong masculine colour. <laughs> I appreciate it's not a strong masculine car. It's, it's got antlers on the top and a football stadium on I the use bonnet. I the word relatively, but yeah, it's, right. not, it's not a baby blue plural with a, with a seven-stage roof. Uh, I mean, I I that, that wasn't even a feminine car. That, that car was like a toddler's shoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, um, I drive a Mini, by the way, listeners. Um, anyway, so I don't think that you can say that Volvos are typically owned by women. And uh, No, my dad had one. He's not a woman. They're owned by people with kids, right? Because they're safety and security. Well, my dad had his because the boot was big enough for him to transport sculptures in. And a dog. This was pre-dog that he oh, bought okay. the Volvo. But yes, you could get two dogs in it very easily. Two dogs and a sculpture, if necessary. Would not put the sculpture in with the precious dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's something in that that tells you why the logo is shaped, as Jesse mistakenly also says, like the male sign. Uh, So the reason the logo is shaped as it is, uh, which is a a sort of circle with an arrow, so it is a bit like the sign for the male gender. because I can never even remember which one of those is male and which is female. It is the male one with the arrow, so it is a bit like that. Mm -hmm. It's actually Mm -hmm. based... Uh, on the Roman sign for the planet Mars. That's uh, a very masculine planet. Indeed. Yeah, it is, yeah. The god Mars was a very angry man, and he was in charge of war. Yeah. So I know what you're thinking. What's this got to do with safety in Volvos? Well, most weapons were made <laughs> Fit of... Fit in the back of a Volvo! <laughs> <laughs> most weapons were made of iron back in the day. Right. And by back in the day, I mean in Roman times. Okay. <laughs> so the Romans started using for iron the same word that they used for uh, for Mars, the god of war. Right. So... The symbol of Mars came to be the symbol for iron. Okay, and okay. then and then fast forward a couple of thousand years. <laughs> yeah, and the guys who found Volvo started the company from an iron ball bearings company. Oh, they used wow. to make ball okay. bearings, and then they developed cars. So they wanted something that referenced iron in their logo. Hmm, mm. tenuous, okay. isn't it? So it's partly the the cocooning and the safety of the iron that's being referenced there. It's also, and this is a, another weird, another Latin reference, it, the, the reason that the logo appears to be moving slightly, so the arrow is slightly off to the right, is to give the impression of uh, rolling, because mm. roll 
in Latin, volvere. So that's what it is. It's a revolving symbol for iron. So it seems such an oblique connection. That's wonderfully poetic. It's kind of brilliant, though, isn't yeah. it? And when you realize, so when you look into these corporate histories and you realize that a lot of thought went into designs you just don't think about at all. I mean, on the other hand, they could have reverse engineered all this afterwards, couldn't they? Someone could have just yeah. drawn a circle with an arrow on it and said, "Yeah, it looks moving car." Yeah, that looks, that looks catchy. That will work in all sorts of different countries. Yeah. Circle with an arrow. Volvo sounds like Volvo. Let's work it out afterwards. <laughs> uh, I'll name it after my great auntie Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to lunch. Here's a question from uh, Sam in Leeds, who says. My beautiful new wife is American and we're currently in the middle of the stress and heartbreak of applying for a visa so she can come to England and live with me. Since I've stared at the word visa more times than I ever thought I would, Helen, answer me this. Where does the word visa come from? Well, it's Latin again. The French borrowed from Latin to invent the term carta visa, which was uh, the document that had to be examined. And uh, the examination is from the Latin word visore, meaning to see, to look into. Wait, wait, so carta visa, does that literally mean better paper what you look at? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, the Romans are treated with such respect for having invented a lot of things first. You know, law and yeah. order and art and culture and war. But actually... <laughs> Straight they, lines. Yeah, I mean, it's all good stuff. Corners. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's all stuff that we're very much influenced by now. I uh, think you might be slightly simplifying antiquity, but do go on. <laughs> Mohawks. Uh, <laughs> but actually, if you're ancient Roman or ancient Chinese or ancient Iranian or ancient Greek or whatever, it's a bit easier, isn't it, to stumble across a concept for the first time? Like, you wonder how much of this is resonating down the generations because Run they did it ideas. best. Yeah. Or just because, actually, of course, if you look back to Roman times, there was some sort of equivalent to this. Important things were named in Latin, weren't they? For a couple of millennia after the Romans. Well, it showed that you were educated, didn't it? And, you, you know, and I guess internationally as well, people understood yes, it. Yes, yeah. good, it was like the Esperanto of its day. <laughs> if you don't even know what a question is, then you're probably at the wrong place. Religion's on Godcasts, dogs are on Dogcasts, fish are on Rodcasts, but we don't do fish, because on this podcast, you answer me this. A question of literature now from Eliza from Newcastle Upon Time, who says, I had my first novel published last November. Wow. I am only 18. Double wow. wow. Double wow. Veritable John Keats we've got listening That's here. Awesome. That's very precocious. Uh, and I was 17 at the time of signing my deal with the publisher. Oh, blimey. She's like a Newcastle upon Tyne novelist version of Taylor Swift. I thought it would be best to tell my parents. Yeah. yeah. Probably be pretty excited, right? I would be if my child had a novel published. Yeah. Uh, as they might be concerned by their teenage daughter suddenly receiving checks and letters from a mysterious American company. Well, I'd be concerned because receiving a check uh, from someone in a different country usually incurs fees. I told them, my parents, I was having a book published, though I refused to divulge the plot, the title, or even the name I'd written it under. So there's a pseudonym involved. Coy. I did this because I actually write porn. Oh, right. Okay. Gay porn. Oh. oh. Gay porn for bored housewives and sexually frustrated teenagers who like to read about boys kissing. Eliza, oh. you're very businesslike for a teenager. You've identified a niche, and I don't mean that in a double entendre way. And you've identified a hole in the market. Filled it with your pen. <laughs> she's not doing it for the glory hole. Martin. Mm, it's good. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, what she's done in many ways, just splurge everything she had to say. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> don't, whatever you do, don't spunk your advance up the wall. <laughs> Anymore? Uh, I'm done for the time being. I mean, the important thing is she didn't just knock it off. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she continues. Uh, now, now you can understand 
down the terrible double entendres we've made will help you understand why I might not want my parents to find out about this. Okay. Or any of my extended family, for that matter. I'm sure there are lots of bored housewives and... Uh, sexually frustrated teenagers in your extended family in every extended family yeah uh, it's an explicit book in which explicit things happen which i describe in explicit detail well if you didn't do those things then this would not work for the porn market i assumed my parents would respect my wishes why would you assume that <laughs> yeah parents spend a lot of your childhood violating your privacy <laughs> and not google different combinations of my names and initials until they found my book how wrong i was my father proceeded to post a link to my book to his Facebook. Weird! And several of my cousins and one of my aunts then bought it and read it. Luckily, they live at the other end of the country to me, and one of my cousins felt the need to text me and tell me that she enjoyed it. But I'm nonetheless mortified Aww. and have been in a state of mortification ever since. Oh, no. I think, actually... I can't imagine publishing any novel that I didn't feel quite squeamish about my family reading, even if it had zero naughty bits, just because it's quite an exposing thing to do, even if it's the realm of the imagination. It's showing off a side of you that they may not know at all. But you do get over it. I mean, I'm here. I'm living proof that you get over it. You know, That's I've, true. I've said things in this podcast about my life that I wouldn't necessarily want my parents and my grandmother to hear, but they have. Uh, Eliza continues, answer me this. How on earth am I supposed to look my family in the eye ever again i think uh you actually just appear very businesslike about it just say i knew that after 50 shades of gray publishers were all looking for this mm. and i knew that uh gay fiction was much less common in the mainstream so i decided it would be very pragmatic to write it wow you've managed to make someone who writes gay porn sound boring if they say that thank you you've done it well <laughs> that's a business-like answer i mean there must be lots of people who work in the adult industry or who do things which are well, there, must, there must be so many cabaret artists performance artists people just hating themselves as actors mm. you know and writers and artists to their parents but it does tap into something in everyone's psyche this doesn't it the sort of especially older members of the family finding out about something that is perceived by the general public to be dirty or obscene I and mean, this was the root of the scandal over the russell brand jonathan ross mm -hmm. phone call to andrew Sachs, wasn't it mm. it wasn't just that it was an old man that they were taunting it was the fact they were taunting him by saying ha 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 i fucked your granddaughter yes but who's a cabaret artist and gets her tits out ha 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 yeah she's so in the, something called satanic sluts yeah. it's got the word slut in it but she's actually, your granddaughter presumably andrew Sachs was actually perfectly aware of all that he's a man of the world he's a man of the world and he works in showbiz mm. so but the the thing that outraged people was the idea that an old man would have that information broadcast to the whole nation yeah she hasn't actually said though that any of the family have reacted badly to it she just feels awkward her dad might have no idea what it's about because the cousin might not have told him the aunt might not have read it often it's like martin will uh, give his parents one of his albums but they won't listen to it they'll have no idea what's on there it could be porn as he wants they might have put it on while they do the gardening and they're outside the house they didn't they probably did. They probably they, they did. put it on for the cat to listen to. Well, actually, <laughs> the cat's dead. <laughs> it, it's funeral. I, I'm almost certain that uh, with in the case of our book, uh, Answer Me This by Helen Zaltzman and Ollie Mann, out now as an e-book or from your local bookstore, that I'm pretty sure that in our book, my dad did look in the index for his own name uh, and then <laughs> read, read the two anecdotes in which he featured and has not read the rest of the book. So I could have written, I could have written about sexually explicit fantasies involving him uh, if I'd used a different name because uh, he'd never know that it was him. I don't believe my parents have ever read it either but they're, they're pleased that it exists. Oh yeah, my parents bought six copies. Uh, they're all in my bedroom at home. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. They bought out Waterstones in Watford of copies of Answer Me This. Depriving the rest of Watford. <laughs> yeah. If I were writing a dirty book though I would probably say to my parents 
I've written a dirty book. Please don't read it. It's like if I was in a film that had a lot of sex scenes, I would ask my parents not to go. Well, I mean, I appreciate that I come from a very unusual family. You do. Uh, but my mum was on a sex phone in the other week. Whoa. Uh. Well, not, she wasn't doing one of those two ninety nine a minute phone lines, was she? <laughs> you rang up and you're like, Mum? <laughs> oh, hello, darling. <laughs> uh, no, she is a psychotherapist. Yep. She was discussing uh, how to have good sex in your 40s, 50s and over. Not something you uh, need to know your mum's tips On Late Night Love with Graham Torrington on BBC West Midlands. Uh, and she wanted me to listen to it to get the views of a young broadcasting professional. Oh, God. Um, but she was sort of sheepish, but she was quite endearingly sheepish about sending me the link. Like, she warned me about three times before she goes it is about having sex and I was like it's fine it's about her sex it's like, life yeah yeah but it's your mum having sex and I was like it's fine no but it's not about her sex life. it's like absolutely generic tips that you would give anyone who's got sexual problems you know she was really sheepish about sending it to me so even she felt that and that's she's she's not a sheepish sort of lady exactly did you listen to it to listen I haven't listened to it yet <laughs> <laughs> but, but that is laziness I think not because I'm awkward because it's my mum talking you're saving it for a special moment Eliza continues do I now have to start writing my porn with my family constantly in the back of my mind no that'll be the worst family porn that won't be good porn uh uh, will I have to think, oh, I mustn't write about insert kink here, or dear Auntie Susan will know about my sexual proclivity towards said kink. I think also, if Auntie Susan is not enjoying your book, she probably won't read it, and if she is enjoying it when she's getting off, she's probably not going to think about you. I think I hadn't actually considered that aspect of it. If you actually consider that your own father, your apparently heterosexual father, might be sexually enjoying a book which you've written about uh, homosexual acts if you actually imagine him ejaculating to it it's slightly differently wow. isn't it to just writing a book now i'm thinking likes. about her dad oh yeah, yeah. But, but if it's any comfort eliza most um, erotic literature uh, is not very appealing to men is it well that's the thing men are visual yeah the, fir- the first page is probably just an illustrative one <laughs> like a map like at the front of tolkien <laughs> just a big phallus on the first page big spunking cock <laughs> Well, listeners, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. But please supply us with questions for next week's podcast via email, phone or Skype. Our contact details are on our website, answermethispodcast.com, where you can also find links to buy beautiful merchandise, some of it featuring Martin's face, but don't let that put you off. Plus... That's another lovely notebook with my face on. Our first 120 episodes, which you can purchase for the bargainous price of just 79 pence each. And our apps for iOS and Android, which feature exclusive content every single week. So that's a spending spree waiting to happen on our website. So, <laughs> do that. and uh, Or maybe just get inspiration to send us a question for next week's show, which oh. we very much look forward to receiving and responding to. I would love few things more. Not not nothing more, but few things. Yeah, don't list the things. We'll be here all day. Number one, I'd love someone to make me a cup of tea right now. <laughs> Number four, the, uh, the blissful moment of release that death will bring. <laughs> Number nine, a copy of Eliza's next book, please. <laughs> <laughs>